This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us once again on Dojo Live today, which is Monday, the 18th of March, 2019, where we're basically talking about the future directly from those who are creating it. My name is Kim Landis, broadcasting live from one of Nearsoft's offices in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. Joining me are my co-hosts and co-workers, Carlos Ponce, as well as Axel Becerril. Hi, guys. Hi, hello. Good. This is Axel's first time on Dojo Live, folks. He's one of our developers, so we'll cut him some slack if he's a little nervous. (laughs) 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 Um, So today we're going to be discussing the importance of developer engagement and here to tell us how he's helping developers basically create, engage, and give back to the developer community is Simon Maple the director of developer relations at SNCC or sneak.io. It's even them, they themselves have this ongoing discussion, right? Tomato, tomato, Caribbean, Caribbean. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Dojo Live, Simon. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. So to get us started, Simon, could you please just tell us a bit more about yourself as well as your background? Sure, yeah, my pleasure to. Um, so yeah, I've been a developer relations or in technical evangelism or, or developer advocacy, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it this uh, this month. Uh, I've been in that kind of role for around, probably around seven or eight years now. Um, and uh, before then, I was a developer for approximately another 10 to 12 years as well. Uh, I started off my career at IBM on uh, a mainframe software called WebSphere, uh, application server based really for, for Java uh, applications and Java EE applications specifically. And uh, so yeah, I did, I did a, a lot of time in the kind of more enterprise traditional style development techniques and practices. And um, I did, uh, as well as development, I was obviously going out, you know, talking to customers, doing on-sites, doing a lot of conference work as well and some community work. And I felt like I really enjoyed that kind of interaction with other people, uh, as well as that technical background, technical development. I I did definitely enjoy that going to conferences, speaking. I love the thrill and the rush of being on stage as well as, as well as just, you know, helping and teaching other people uh, with, with, you know, some of the things that I've learned in my time as well. So uh, yeah, I decided to bite the bullet. Actually, I tried to do a half developer relations, half development, software development. Mm-hmm. I ended up just doing two jobs, and it wasn't it wasn't worth it. So I, I decided I had to pick one or the other. So I moved over to developer relations at IBM. I joined a company called Zero Turnaround five years, uh, actually no, six years ago, sorry. Uh, and I was a, d- a director of developer relations there for uh, for about five years. And then I literally just moved to SNCC around one year ago, and uh, I've literally just celebrated my one year my one year there today and uh, sorry uh, in the last couple of weeks and uh, yeah i run the devrel team here as well at snick okay well congratulations so now that you brought up snick um for us why don't you please tell us real quickly what it is that snick does um what's your product what problem are you solving sure yeah so actually i i really when i when i was looking at my move to to my previous move to to one of the one or another company uh, i saw snick and the thing that the thing that really invited me with with snick is the is the fact that they what they actually do is they're trying to solve a real problem that affects a lot of people and it's a problem that uh, genuinely helps software engineering and software development today so the role the the, the role that snick has in the ecosystem is to is to uh, to find and fix software vulnerabilities that exist in third party code so we have a whole bunch of developers obviously just writing code and they're going to have a number of d- uh, dependencies in their application mm-hmm. 
And it's really interesting to see sometimes how when a developer writes a small piece of code, how much extra code that will pull in. And when you actually deploy an application, you actually deploy this massive beast of an application and you've only actually written a small amount of code. So what SNCC does is it looks at your dependencies, which is you know the, the vast size of this, of this application rather than just the code you've written. And we try and find known vulnerabilities in those, in those dependencies. And we will not just tell you about where the vulnerabilities exist, but we'll provide you with an automated remediation about uh, about how you can go about fixing those to the extent that will actually create pull requests into your into your repositories and things like that. So we're 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 finding and fixing known security vulnerabilities in your in your open source libraries. We like to say we help people use open source securely. All right, very good, very good, very interesting. I th I understood. I think personally about like ten, fifteen percent of what you just said, much <laughs> Actually, more not, than I would have my, understood I'm, about three years ago. <laughs> okay, um, I was going to say I'm not doing my job well enough. Then if it's only ten, fifteen, you did a really good job. But I don't have a technical background, but Axel, I'm sure that you have something. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's a really common and big problem right now. Uh, the thing is that uh, we as developers uh, want to deliver as fast as we can. So we are relying on other people's work to to accomplish that. Uh, but the problem there is that there is a lot of libraries there, and uh, it's easy just to pull them to your to your project in order to to move forward. But there are you, you cannot uh, be so sure about uh, what's going on with all that code that it's just been added to the project, but you don't actually. Uh, see directly to it. So GitHub and GitLab uh, uh, does have uh, some analysis in the dependencies of your of your of your projects. But what I see that your company does is those automatic uh, uh, fixes. You we have we, we already have bots uh, performing some pull requests, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have we have a whole bunch of. Uh... You know, if you if you're automatically monitoring and things like that, we'll automatically send you pull requests with how to remediate your uh, your vulnerabilities as well. So yeah, we, we can do that. Yeah, because that kind of uh, things are a little tedious to deal with. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think I think the the things like the GitHub and GitLab support you mentioned, I th I think it's really really great, particularly with things like npm audit as well. You know, yeah. the more the more and more these kind of things are built into a lot of the platforms. It really gives developers and, and other people that understanding about this problem is here. So, uh, for example, when you mentioned about you know developers not knowing you know what code they have, what dependencies they have, when I go to speak at conferences, I ask you know I put my hand up and say, who knows how many direct dependencies you have? Who knows how many transitive dependencies you have? And virtually no one, no one at the end is putting their hands up, and it's because no one actually knows what's in their application, what they're pulling yeah. in, and it's a real serious issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and the other the other issue is, you know, people want to deliver more and more. Like, you know, we hear the term terms like digital transformation, right? And you know, the idea of DevOps, which you know, as as developers, we want to write code and we want to push it to production quickly. Sometimes people think people hear about this happening several times a day, maybe every week, every couple of weeks, every sprint, maybe. But yeah. uh, there are real issues around that if we don't have other things in place like security testing. Um, and so, you know, one of our big one of our big goals. I mean, we're we're we consider ourselves a developer focused company, so we try and we try and dig into where uh, developers are are interacting. So IDEs, GitHub. You know these automatic pull requests. As, uh, we we do testing on pull requests as well. So if someone was to raise a pull request, we'll test on the pull request. So we tr we try and really interact at that level. 
Um, and by doing that, it's the only way you will be able to release safely because everything a developer does or everything someone does in that workflow, um, you're constantly testing. There's never like, you know, the old traditional style. You know, you know, when I was at IBM and we had, you know, big, big, you know, huge clients that, that, that used to deliver every however many years. This is, I'm talking years ago, the traditional style. And, and, you know, you used to have audits every year or every couple of years. And it was scary. Um, even yeah. back then when, when you had, you had to release every year, but you know, when, when you think about development now where you're pushing to the, where you're pushing to production daily and yeah. then you think of a, a six monthly audit, that's scary. Cause then you think, you know, the six months worth of code that hasn't been ordered to, or hasn't been tested. And it's uh, yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's, it's only related with open source uh, dependencies. Uh, so SNCC, the product SNCC is, uh, yeah. we're focused on open source dependencies. Yeah, I think uh, it's good that, in my opinion anyway, from what I've, the experience I've had with developer tools, the, the best developer tools have a very a very significant focus as to what they do. And there are different things. You have, so you have security testing of your source code and you have open source dependencies. You, there are right tools for both of those jobs. And so, you know, you should use, you should create a, a set of tools that work for you as, a, as, a, as an organization. And, and so SNCC focuses on third-party uh, dependencies right. and we, we, we focus on doing that well. So allowing, basically you allow the organizations to control what they can control and then you help them to control what they can. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of the time it's also helping organizations to almost like opening up developers' eyes to what they're actually doing in the organization because sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, developers even, they're doing more and more and more and the pressures on a developer is greater than ever. You know, we have project managers, we have managers, we have security teams, performance teams, testing teams, and so much of that functionality has come onto the developer, and so much of that pressure has come onto the developer. The developer just wants to release their code. Mm -hmm. Some of them, some of them, you know, want to do it well. Others, they're like, oh, you know what? I'm a nine-to-five developer. I just want to push this code out. So it's yeah. it's, in, it's increasingly important that we provide developers with those tools, you know, whatever the tools, so that they can do that job better. And you know, from the organization's point of view, it, it's it's going to benefit them hugely so there's mm -hmm. tools like applications but then there's also tools like yourself correct yes yeah, so, well, so what so, is what are you as a dev as developer relations like what exactly is that role and so that, what, what for you personally took you to that crossroad okay that's so a great question yeah and, and you know what actually developer relations or developer advocacy is is a it's one of those things that it actually means different things to different people so for me personally I see a developer relations role as someone who empowers developers, someone who actually helps educate developers and enables developers to, to, to work quicker and faster and better on a specific platform. So if, if I take my case for an example on SNCC, um, you know, we have this, we have this freemium model, so people can just become users of SNCC without paying a penny. Um, and so what I want to do is I want I want to help developers understand first of all the need of some kind of security testing so i want to educate developers i want to help developers understand why they need certain things um i also want to make sure that you know should they choose SNCC as their as their solution of course there are you know there are other tools and other products and I, when i try and educate around security if i educate you know uh, around a developer on security and then they go and choose another tool or, or whatever rather than SNCC, and then some come to SNCC. You know, obviously I'd prefer them to come to SNCC, but if they do either, I'm still helping developers. I'm still doing, you know, I still feel like it's part of my role to do this for the for the ecosystem, for the, for the uh, you know, the, 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 the software, the software world kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, so education is, is a huge part of that. Um, and then, and then when it comes to making sure that SNCC as a, as a company 
is um, very consumable from a from a user or a developer. It's it's very key to me that you know we have the kind of tutorials, we have the 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 the, the uh, like um, how tos, the to do kind of style of how do I get up and running with something. So that there's there's an amount of that as well, um, and a lot of this, both the content of education and content of uh, you know the using SNCC or any kind of tool. For me, that you know, that can that can be blogs, reports, webinars, um, podcasts like uh, like you know like this one or the webinar like this one. Uh, also, a whole bunch of uh, outreach face to face, so conferences face to face at customer sites. There's a whole different way. There's a whole different you know number of ways in which this kind of this kind of interaction can happen. Um, and and then one of the bigger ones, which is which is a really important thing for me as well, is developer communities and developer communities. Um, I think you know they can they can exist naturally, and they can exist because we can make them happen. And yeah. both both are just as important. Um, sometimes when they happen naturally, they don't necessarily you know they 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 happen naturally because they have a need. There's a need there which all developers are trying to gravitate to. Um, when they happen because you know someone's trying to you know uh, create a place where developers can come, that's just as good as well because so long as you know if the needs there. And that kind of community will succeed. Uh, if the need's not there, then developers just plain won't join it. Uh, and, right. and also, it's about creating that value. It's not about, uh, you know, it's like that great uh, JFK quote, which he said once when he was talking about developer communities, I'm sure. JFK famously said, "It's uh, don't think about what your community, your developer community can do for you, but what can <laughs> you do for your developer community? And right. it's, it's truly about that. It's not about what you can take from a community. It's about what you, you know, what you, what value you give and what you can offer the developer community. Right. As I was preparing for today's talk, I came across um, a quote that really kind of made me laugh. And he said, um, engineers have finally, finally honed, if not overly developed, bullshit detectors. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> how would you as, as developer relations, um, how do you make life better for developers and not just make money for platform? Like, how do you get over this, this idea of I'm not self-serving, this is, this is genuine. What are the steps that you take? So I think I think there are a number of different uh, ways that people come to the developer advocacy. Oh, that was one of the questions I didn't ask actually of your last set. But there are a lot, number of different ways in which you can go into a developer relations uh, role. And one of the ways myself and actually a number of people on my team as well came through into a developer relations role is from actually being a developer ourselves. And the benefit of being a developer and then coming into a developer relations role is that we ourselves have a very finely tuned and honed bullshit detector. Uh, and, <laughs> and as a result, you know, we we know what is bullshit and what is not bullshit. And as a result, when we talk to someone, um, you know, we're not gonna try and we're not just gonna try and you know sell them crap they don't need, right? right. We, we we wanna make sure that what we are actually doing is providing value. And we can do that because we know what is valuable and what is not valuable. Um, and I know there are a number of people who equally come into the developer relations role um, who are who are not technical or who are not developers themselves, and and I think you know there's there's nothing certain there's nothing to say that they couldn't equally you know have a very finely tuned bullshit detector because mm -hmm. you know it's it, it's more of a mindset thing and I think um, I think you know once once you either get it or you don't and if you if you mm -hmm. don't get it you're going to be a bad devrel person because you're just going to annoy people and you, you know developers just that. This is this is another thing I, I hate doing saying developers because it's like you know developers are people too right they just they're just people <laughs> and so it's like you know calling you know sets of developers developers or whatever you know trying seg trying to segregate that group that they're, they're just people they're just people who right. are just trying to do something right um, so 
you know, I, I think I think people either get that or they don't. And and you know, if you get it and you understand and you try and provide value to to to, to um, you know fellow developers, then then people will people will, will react well to you and they will they'll they'll trust you. They'll uh, they'll learn from you. They'll will learn from them as well, which is absolutely key in a DevRel role to make sure that particularly from a product DevRel role and a platform DevRel role to understand what works and what doesn't feed that back. Because mm -hmm. you know we are a resource for developers in the community as well as the other way around. Developers can learn from us. We can learn from developers and feed that back into the product. So it's this kind of you know reciprocal reciprocal kind of thing. And um, so yeah, you know if basically if my bullshit detector goes off, I don't I don't post it. I don't I don't I don't talk mm -hmm. about it like that. So and and it, you know it happens when I'm at conferences. How far do I go talking about SNCC versus talking about something else? Right. Um, luckily, well not luckily, I tend to work for companies that that you know do respect developers and have freemium versions and these kind of things for, for developers so we have a freemium version for developers open source developers you know limited number of tests per month so so you know this is this is an, an amazing way in which developers can come join our platform right. i can talk about that at conferences so i'm not saying oh yeah first of all you need to pay for this then you need right. to sign your life away here then you need to give us your firstborn and only then can you use our product right this is this is the bullshit detector where we then start talking about some some amazing uh some amazing product in an ivory tower and 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 you know really really not relevant to, to developers at their level so right. so that's, that's one way to kind of encourage that symbiotic relationship yeah, oh 100 100 yeah simon i have a question for you real quick and of course as as, as i clearly stated at the beginning of uh before we go before we went on the air is from the non-engineer standpoint I'm, and the, my question is more in the in uh, how can i say this from the engagement point of view the engagement itself point of view you know, because we're talking about the importance of developer engagement uh what what sort of uh what did what can you say to our audience that drove you to create uh no wait a minute let me rephrase this please bear with me I understand you created the you created the Java Users Group, right? So um, oh, yeah, a virtual virtual Java Users virtual group. Virtual Java Users Group. Yeah, yeah. This is about six years ago. This yeah. Exactly. The virtual Java Users Group. And actually, someone from our guys brought it to my attention. So, what did uh, any did you notice any lack of engagement in the industry that drove you to create the virtual Java Users Group, or does it is it related to your endeavors as a founder of the Virtual Java Users Group, uh, what you notice about engagement, or yeah. how, how is it connected? So uh, um, the, the reason I created the Virtual Java Users Group, this was back in uh, 2013, I think, um, was because, I mean, ultimately, I, I used to go into London a fair amount for the, uh, for the London uh, Java User Group, which is a, a, a user group that I'm one of the co-leaders of. Um, and I live around now. I live around two hours, hour and a half outside of London. And at the time in 2012, we had our first child. And um, as a developer relations person, you know, traveling anyway, and then having to go to work, and then having to go into London of an evening and so forth, that got pretty straining pretty quickly. Um, and uh, it, it's it was I was crazy tired anyway, just from just from all the all the the, the family stuff as well as the work stuff and things like that. And I thought. There's got to be a better way whereby we can have a community whereby we can learn, we can network with people, but we don't have to travel two hours either way, you know, four hours either way, just to just to do that kind of thing. 
And I was trying to work out how we can, and there was a lot of resources. There was stuff on YouTube. There was stuff on, there was, a, a, you know, content available online. Um, but it, that's just content. That's not a community. That's just, that's just information. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, why don't I create a community? Why don't I create a virtual jug? virtual job user group and it so it came out of a need it, it really came out of a need first and i thought well if, if if i need it maybe other people do maybe there are people who don't live near a, a java user group or people whose java user groups don't meet up that regularly so i created this um i it was very simple to create up actually very similar to what we're doing now so it's a you know a number of hangouts that we recorded that uh people all over the world and we actually got some of the best speakers around the world as, as i know you have as well carlos here um, in, mm -hmm. in some of the some of your uh, previous sessions as well, um, the, the the ability to get speakers and and there for there to be no travel cost, very limited time, um, and for you know to, to to basically just say can we can we have an hour of your time or thirty minutes of your time, and yeah, so so it, it came out of a need, and as a result, when there's a need and other people have that need, a community is born. It's as simple Great. as that. Congratulations. And yeah, actually, thank you. Now now we have over well over sixteen thousand members of the of the user group already so it's uh, it's 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 really key and and we created another one in a in a, in a similar vein actually uh, this was that the java user group that uh, virtual java user group is an independent user group this one this new one that we created only about a month ago that she is called uh, the secure developer uh, and this one's actually a, a snick powered secure developer but uh, community but we're keeping it as a vendor neutral uh, educational resource for uh, developers who just want to understand a little bit more about security, have that basic understanding so that when they actually write code and develop code, they have some basic practices they can follow and some, and some good learning, good material. Um, so yeah, that's that's another thing that we just created over a thousand people already on that one as well. So uh, yeah, where, the, where there's a need, people will come. So I have a question going back to this idea of open, open source, which is the main focus for, for uh, Sneak. Snick. Either's um, good. <laughs> like you've been saying Snick, right? So I'll refer to um, And I think Axel, you could probably kind of have some insight here too. Like, I'm wondering how it is that you, for how products can encourage their kind of ideal developer profiles, I guess, to actually be the ones who are utilizing or contributing to their own code. Like, is is there kind of like a way that you as developer relations or anyone kind of can sort of gear that toward the people that you actually prefer to be working on your code? I mean, my understanding is a lot of time, I mean, I guess I envision the people who are participating more in open source to be kind of less, um, perhaps less experienced because they're more excited, they need to garner this experience, they're, it's available to them, right? But then of course, the not always the case, but then the more seasoned developers, the more what I would assume to be the more quality code. Perhaps now they're more um, focused on other things, their own companies, their own products, um, just older, life is busier, like you just said, family time or whatever. Mm. So how do you strike that balance or is there a balance to be struck? Within, with, as in within maintainers, so had to have uh -huh. a balance of, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think, that, you know, there's, there's the, there's a number of things in which you can so so from a from a junior developer though, for me there are um a couple of real easy ways that 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 this kind of thing can be fixed um to to, to level up a, a junior developer almost instantly um one of which is and you know not just snick tooling but any kind of tooling um there there are there are a number of different tools out there from things like find bugs for example or check marks or or um uh 
yeah, Code Star, for example, or, or SNCC as well, right? So that they can be used in a way whereby um, you know bugs or or, or a, you know a number of issues can be taken out of the code that that a developer will contribute uh, before that actually you know gets sent across to the to the to the main repository. So there's there's a level of of kind of you know eliminating those some of the more basic mistakes that can be put into code before someone actually pushes that. Um, but the big thing for me really. Um, whenever we talk about any of this is is uh, mentoring. And I think, um, you know, pe people learn, everyone's always learning, no matter what level you are, you're always learning and you're, there's always someone better than you and there's always something you can learn from that person. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of mentoring groups. Um, I know um, I know there's a, there's a lady actually in security called uh, Tanya, let me find her name. Uh, her name is Tanya. Uh, Tanya Yanka, T-A-N-Y-A-J-A-N-C-A. -A -A. She hacks purple on Twitter. And, and she's, I've noticed she's been running, she's been calling for mentees and mentors in and around security and around open source. And, um, you know, try, trying to pair people who, who literally, you know, are, are calling out for help and calling out for, you know, someone to, someone to hold their hand and kind of take them to the next step. It, I, it, it, I imagine it's easier to find mentees than mentors. So how do you encourage people to mentor others? It is, it is, you know, because a lot of the time it's the mentees that have more of the time, more of the need for the for the mentee, for the mentor, whereas the mentor very often doesn't have a lot of the time and there are fewer of them. Um, so I think, I think first of all, we, you know, we can work in groups anyway, and, you know, communities will help us ask questions of each other. Um, and in that respect, you actually don't have a direct one-to-one -one mentee mentor relationship. You have a, you have a group relationship whereby someone asks the question, the group responds. That's how communities work. And, and that's, that's crazy important. Um, there are other groups as well. So Tanya was asks for mentors, mentees, and I'm sure she'll get. Uh, I'm sure she'll get more mentees than mentor. Kind of, be, uh, you know, being put through a lot of mentors. Um, they they do have a number of mentees. So I'm actually a, a, um, a member of a community called uh, MAM, which is Meet a Mentor in London. Uh, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a community which is created by a company called Repworks, and they they uh, have they've had some great success by pairing. Uh, people who you know want to be in a certain position, and and someone else who who has been in that position or or um, or knows how to how to, you know the qualities or, or the requirements that you have to be you know you have to uh, have uh, achieved to get into that position, and they and people help each other uh, joining that, and I think it's great for mentors as well. I mean, I learn a lot by talking to people about what worked for me, what didn't, and it's very e it's very easy to then self reflect when you're when you're talking to someone about your journey as well. Perfect. Well, can you believe it, Simon? We're actually coming up to the end of our half wow. hour already. <laughs> yes, time flies when you're having fun. So I wanted to um, see, Axel, if you perhaps had any one final question from the developer perspective for Simon. And then once that question wraps up, um, any final words of wisdom that you might have for us, please? OK. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got, got one question. Uh, we are having this meeting all uh, remotely and a lot of developers were remotely, and you create the virtual user, Java user group. Uh, but do you think there's still a need for us developers to look at each other faces directly in in this community building importance? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think what you can what you can get in a face to face meeting uh, over a coffee, a water, a beer, whatever we you know, whatever, however, wherever you're meeting, whatever you're meeting over. Um, I think. I think it's you get more quality discussion 
uh, quality time with that person. You actually create more of a relationship with that person as well. Um, I think, you know, a lot of companies, so for example, SNCC, as an example, we have a London office, a Tel Aviv office, a Boston office, and we have a whole bunch of people all over the world working remotely. We still have every six months, the whole company comes together and we talk all face to face and we're in the same location, Tel Aviv and then London uh, every six months. And it's great to speak to each other there. We find that when, we, when we're there speaking to each other, when we then go remotely, we actually have better working relationships remotely as well. Mm -hmm. And also at the speed at which we're growing, it's great because uh, when I was six months ago, seven months, no, about eight months ago, when we when we all met in Tel Aviv, uh, sorry, when we all met in London, uh, the company had almost like double trebled by the time we actually then met in, uh, in, in, in Tel Aviv after that. So it's great, it's great that face-to-face, -face, you cannot beat it. And what I, one of the things I said when I created the virtual joke is that I don't ever want this virtual community to replace a physical community. It's there to complement that, that, that um, mm -hmm. it's okay. almost like a fortify or, or you know, to, to, to be there in addition to a face-to-face. -face. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, you know, as, as a developer advocate as well, I do an incredible amount of online content uh, and, and the whole team works really hard to create that online content. But we don't just say, you know what, we're going to sit at home and we're going to write content. We make right. sure we're out talking to customers, out talking at conferences and meeting people uh, afterwards and talking to them. And that's that's really one of the best ways of creating that uh, the best relationships. Great. It mirrors a lot of actually, I think, what we do here at Nearsoft as well. Um, we have no, our, we annual, our annual team building weeks. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For a couple of years, it was twice a year, but now it's just Did you hear that, Roberto? Very good. Well, I was going to ask you to kind of end on some final words of wisdom, but I think that naturally sort of ended on its mm -hmm. final words of wisdom that um, technology anything, doesn't replace humanity, right? Anything more we say now will just ruin that, right? So we better, we better not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no well, before we go, before we go, Simon, uh, is there anything about you know, specifically about, <clears throat> excuse me, about SNCC uh, that you would like to tell our audience? Can you, can you elaborate a little bit about that or anything you want to mention about SNCC? Maybe, a, you know, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're inviting you to talk to us about a SNCC or to the public, to the, to the audience. <clears throat> yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. I mean, one, one thing I want to say is how important it is um that you as a developer or you as a company when you deliver and create your applications it's incredibly important you actually know what your application is rather than just the code that someone's writing and um the number of people out there you know we hear stories of event stream and and es lint and and you know leftpad all these developers that are writing content are writing writing code and, and putting it into these code repositories and we just pull them out whether either directly or through 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 transitive or indirect dependencies and the, the applications that we create it's it's utmost important to the business that we understand that what we deploy we are responsible for and as a result the responsibility of that application as it gets created from the developer up is everyone's responsibility but the developers uh, you know first and foremost so education of of the teams the the, the business to understand what is in that application and what you deploy is, is critical, particularly in security. And so I'd, I'd, you know, one of the things that I'd encourage is for, is for, you know, developers and all the way up people, you know, up to, you know, CISOs and, and, and CTOs to understand what your application, how your application is actually built uh, in terms of, you know, what, what all the, all the modules, all the parts, all the libraries that you're using, 
of course you can use you can use some tools like SNCC to do that and, and I'd encourage you to try SNCC for free um, but you know the, the, the greater thing is just to want to just to change your mindset to, to think about it like that and uh, one of the other things that I'd like to mention is that I mentioned the secure developer which is like a, another online community that we do it's to, to increase your your education there's a huge number of uh, a huge number of uh, not you know knowledge places that you can go to increase your education, OWASP is a great one. Uh, the securedeveloper.com is is another one that you can sign up and you actually get every two weeks. There are there are uh, we do webinars and things like that in which we um, in which we're able to educate and share knowledge uh, across the community. So so understanding understanding uh, you know as a business what you're actually producing as an app, what you are representing, you know that that app represents you. So it's important to know what that is and having increasing the basic understanding of security throughout your throughout your development teams those those two things uh i think i will i will finish them perfect yeah. well thank you so much for your time today simon i know that it's the end of your day over there um so have a great dinner glass of wine enjoy your family <laughs> yeah, um, thank you very much good night um thank yeah. you carlos axel oh, for your time as well absolutely thank you and also thank you simon for having agreed to be with us um and the only thing left for me to do is uh, mention that <clears throat> um we're all the contact info for you or for the sync the snake i'm sorry uh, uh website is going to be right there on the dojo live website so keep an eye on that uh, folks uh that's that's going to be the best way to contact simon all his uh pertinent contact info is going to be in there with that being said time again thank you and uh we're going to be in touch thank you so much and thank you axel thank you kim take care everyone until yeah, next time you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.